Hi, my name is Eric. I'm a designer in Seattle. You are listening to the Ask Pastor John podcast with John Piper. Well, that's Eric, a friend of ours I want you to meet in a moment. We're past Christmas now and quickly marching towards the new year of 2024. And uh, a new year means a new Bible reading plan for many of us. Two Mondays ago, we were encouraged to make Bible reading a part of our everyday routine. We looked at that in EPJ episode number 2003. Uh, But obviously, as we embark on our reading plan, the goal isn't to just check off a box each day. I think we all know this. Even in the grammar of the New Testament, in its 500 therefores, uh, we see in the Bible that it intends to have a practical, emotional, intellectual, behavioral effect on our lives today. That's what we looked at two weeks ago in ABJ episode number 2002. Bible reading is all about engaging with God's precious word in a profound, heart-stirring, life-changing way. And this poses a challenge because we get into our daily rhythm over the course of time and we find that as we read, as we read about the most precious things in the universe, we feel nothing. Our hearts grow dull. Our spiritual affections grow flat. So how do we break out of this dull rut and jumpstart our heart's engagement with God's word? Many have asked this exact question over the years, including this one anonymous listener who writes this, Pastor John, hello, and thank you for this podcast. My question is about what if I read my Bible, but I don't feel anything in my affections? that resonates with the worth and the value and the preciousness, the beauty, the pleasures of what those words are supposed to communicate to my soul. Is there anything I can do next, or do I just have to wait until the experience sort of just happens to me at some point in the future? Well, I am so glad for the question because it is something that I've been thinking about recently Hmm. so much because I've been meditating on a section of the book of Proverbs. And I think this section of the book of Proverbs is introduced by the inspired writer precisely to answer that question. Hmm. So the the section is Proverbs 22.17 down to 24.22, I think it goes, and it's a section. In fact, in fact, I'll just pause here. No, I won't. You can pause. <laughs> so so p- yeah. push pause if you want to go get your Bible, because I'm going to get everything I have to say from about three lines in verses 17 and 18 of Proverbs 22. So get your Bible. Okay, now you've got your Bible. The section runs from 22.17 down to 24.22, and it's called, if you look at the end of verse 20, it says, Have I not written for you 30 sayings? Now, those 30 sayings are found in 22.17 to 24.22 in groupings. Some Bibles break the groupings out for you. So every time a new theme starts, there's a new saying, and there are 30 of them in this unit. And in verse 17 is where they start, and it says, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. So these are usually entitled the words of the wise. Now, what's so important about this is that I think the first two verses, or the first three verses, perhaps, in this new section 
of 30 sayings are written precisely to answer the question that we've just been given. Namely, how do you hear and how do you feel appropriately these words? So let me read verse 17 and 18. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them. These these words of the wise communicating that knowledge. It will be pleasant if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips. So two things. The first line, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. So clearly, the point there is words are being spoken and you should lean in, incline your ear. So literally, if you can't hear them, what do we do when we can't hear? We, we kind of lean, we, we press in closer. Yeah. But we do that with our attention as well. If you're mm. reading words or if you're hearing words and the words are just going by, he's saying, don't let them go by. Don't let any of the words go by. Attend meticulously, carefully, attentively to the words themselves because the words, next line, are going to form knowledge in your mind. Because the next line says, and apply your heart to my knowledge. So knowledge is what forms in the mind some idea, some communication of something valuable or precious or important or wise that he's going to communicate coming through the medium of words that hit your ear, go inside, produce knowledge. And then here it comes, and apply your heart to my knowledge. And the effect will be, it will be pleasant. And I take it that the heart is the organ of pleasantness, pleasure. And that's what the question is, right? How can I experience pleasure, an appropriate admiring and valuing and treasuring and loving and embracing and enjoyment and satisfaction in what I'm perceiving through the words? And he says, the way you do it is apply your heart. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk for just a minute or two about what that means. But just know this writer, this inspired writer is answering your question, yes. <laughs> is there something you can do to move from ears attending to words and mind-grasping knowledge to heart-experiencing pleasantness of what is within. Is there anything you can do? And his answer is yes. And the words he uses are apply your heart to what your ear has heard and the knowledge that's forming in your mind. What does that mean? And I've got here right in front of me on my screen, tashit, the verb, apply. Valiv Ka tashit, your heart apply, or literally put, or set, or stand, or place. So you take your heart and you push it, you put it, you place it into what you've seen with your eyes or heard with your ears. You push the nose of your heart 
in the beauty of the knowledge. Hmm. If the heart is not feeling anything, you say to heart, heart, wake up. And you take hold of the heart and you, you, you apply it, you push it, you place it in the knowledge, you push on it. There is something you can do. So here's an analogy. Suppose you would like to taste a steak. You can hear it sizzling on the grill outside. So you go outside. And then your eyes see the steak sizzling on the grill. And if you get close enough, your nose may smell the steak sizzling on the grill and still no taste in your mouth of that steak. Is there anything you can do? That is the question. It really is the question. Is there anything you can do with the steak of God, with the steak of Christ, with the steak of salvation, with the steak of the Word of God, the Word of the infinite Creator God? Is there anything you can do to taste it? And you know what the answer is. You take a knife and you cut off a piece and you put it in your mouth and you chew and you chew and then you swallow and you taste. So you say to your heart, eat heart. Eat heart. So let, let, let me give some more examples. I'm walking to church. It's October. The leaves on the trees in my neighborhood, unbelievably bright with yellow and orange, and the sun was shining, and it was a more mild October than usual. And it's 60 degrees. The leaves are flickering, and it is absolutely stunning. But I'm walking to church to a prayer meeting, and not noticing anything. My eyes are seeing it, and I'm not seeing it. What has to happen? I pause. God's grace causes me to pause. This, this little podcast right here causes me to pause, and you look at it. You look at it. You lean in, and you say, heart, that's orange. That's yellow. They were green, and now they're orange and yellow and gold, and the sun is making them bright, and they are waving at you with the breeze, and God is trying to get your attention and say, the glory of God is shining here. Look, heart, and you push the nose of the heart up into the tree. When I came home several days, there were two or three afternoons that were so stunning, I would look out my window and say, whoa, and I'd get up, go downstairs, and I'd walk under the tree and look up. Then I walked across the street and looked back. Then I got out my camera and tried to get some different shots. Then I walked around the side of the house to see what it looked like from that angle. This is the pushing of the heart into the gold of natural revelation, and you do the same thing with the word of God. A diamond is offered you. You see the diamond, but you don't see the diamond. And you say to your heart, heart, move around this diamond. Look at the diamond from that side, and look at the diamond from that side. And you know, when a born-again person is doing Proverbs 17b, apply your heart to this knowledge. Apply your heart. Apply your heart You can't help but turn it into prayer. When you're preaching to your heart and you're saying to your heart, come on, heart, wake up. Come on, heart, look at this. Come on, heart, feel this. This is beautiful. Wake up, heart. Instinctively, you are praying. And you're not just talking to your heart, though you are talking to your heart, because that's what the text says to do. Apply your heart. But you are praying, God, God, help me. God, open my eyes. So. May I suggest that even if you listen to this right now and you say, I've tried that and it doesn't work, or 
I don't even know what you're talking about. May I urge you, may I plead with you, you may be such a novice at this that you need practice. Please don't give up. Don't say that you are beyond the capacity to feel the beauty of the knowledge of God in the Bible and the knowledge of his ways. This text is God's word to you. Apply your heart. Amen. Thank you, Pastor John, for this plea and for these illustrations. Wonderful episode on Bible reading yet again. Uh, we've been on a roll on this topic. We recently looked at how you, Pastor John, study the Bible on a given topic. That was ABJ 1998. Very practical. And then we saw how even in the grammar of the Bible, uh, it intends for us to have a practical, emotional, intellectual, behavioral effect on our lives today. That was a super practical Bible reading tool that you gave us in APJ 2002, watching for those therefores in the New Testament. And then we looked at why a daily Bible reading habit is essential for 2024. That was episode 2003. And now this one, APJ 2006, on pushing the nose of our hearts into the beauty of divine knowledge. We've covered a lot of ground in just one month. But before this episode ends, I want to talk with Eric. You heard Eric at the start of this episode, Eric, it's an honor to have you back on and to talk with you for a moment because you're not only a ministry partner uh, that ensures that Desiring God's work continues, like all these episodes that we just released in December, but you are a thoughtful friend of the ministry and an encouragement to so many of us here. We're grateful to God for you and for your 15 years as a ministry partner. Take a moment and tell us why. Why are you a donor? Uh, what put you over the edge to say, you know what, I want to support Desiring God? I was a rabid consumer of all the materials, um, and especially with the website, it got to like a daily kind of habit, yeah. um, and it was really enjoyable. And then with APJ becoming a app, that was really nice for my commutes uh, in the morning. And I kind of had this, like early on, we were light supporters, not really expecting DG to need much support. And then the more we learned about just the scope and the scale and what the needs are and how, how it's funded, we were really moved to, to participate and to start giving. Um, but right around like consuming APJ on a daily basis, it, I kind of just thought to myself and did the math in my head of like, you know, I have these other daily rituals of like coffee, you know, yeah. every morning yeah. and oftentimes getting like craft coffee on the way to work uh, and what I pay for that and what it does for the rest of my day versus, you know, consuming one APJ and what it does for me in the rest of my day and also the lives of the other people that I bump into. Um, and that it just seemed wrong that that value wasn't being conveyed yeah. uh, monetarily. Well put. Yeah. Assigning value on what is truly valuable. Uh, as you know, we have a lot of listeners who listen to the podcast who are not donors to the ministry. Uh, maybe they've been blessed by the resources that we produced over the years. They see the value. They benefit from APJs like this. Maybe even now as they commute to work or wait in line for coffee, they're, they're listening. But they've never thought about the fact that, yeah, it takes a lot of money to do big scale international ministry like what we do at Desiring God. What would you say to consumers of the content who now have the means to give a coffee budget? Uh, how would you make the case to them? Totally. Uh, I think that Desiring God is an amazing resource. We live in a very special time in which the internet has afforded us the ability to connect to a resource of this type, uh, of its quality, but also its breadth and depth. We should be doing everything we can as uh, people who enjoy it to extend it and spread it to as many other people as possible while we can, because uh, you know no technology is 
guaranteed forever. Right. Uh, and this window of access, we should be doing the most to, you know, kind of reach the ends of the earth, as you will, with this uh, opportunity and these resources. So I would say support, um, not just for the, you know, the opportunity of supporting, but also like the blessing of knowing that dollars are going to something that is 100% a positive value to the world uh, and to others. And the way DG is managed um, and how funds are used are like incredibly above board. Like as far as ministries go, the ethics and the stewardship is off the charts good. It's a great vessel for, you know, just kingdom investment. But I really think people should not take it for granted. Yeah. Like uh, the quality of resources and the just the almost complete lack of friction to those resources is very special and very unique. Um, just 50 years ago, having access to a certain book of a certain topic required a lot of effort, yeah. a lot of legwork. With DG, you have resources that span, you know, almost the entirety of the Bible and all kinds of topics, both pastoral and theological, and they're accessible anywhere in the world. Like anywhere you can, you know, connect to the internet, you have access to these resources. And that's a really special thing. I think it's a, a moment in time that we should really be taking the most of and like encouraging one another to take the most of. Yeah. Uh, it's almost, you know, the equivalent of the Roman road system where people were like, wow, this really changes things. Mm -hmm. Like what we have now with desiring God and the internet, this really changes things and we should enjoy it while we can. I love your urgency, brother. We have this moment together. Let's not assume anything. Let's go for it. Uh, our Roman road opportunity. That's a great connection here, Eric. An international crossroads God has linked by a dominant language to spread gospel resources around the world. That is a remarkable grace that he's given us not to be taken for granted. Eric, that is an amazing perspective. We appreciate you, brother. And if you want to join Eric and use that coffee budget for something more urgent in helping us make and spread gospel content frictionlessly to the world, do so today. Take the next step with us and consider a $30 a month reoccurring donation. You can set that up right now at desiringgod.org forward slash donate. That's desiringgod.org forward slash donate. We deeply appreciate it. I'm Tony Ranke. See you shortly.